I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Well, hello, hello. This is the COB, all the stuff you need to know about in the day in business and markets. I'm Daniela Kuye. And, and I'm Juliette Sarley. Hi, Danny. Yeah, it's great to have you back. I was a bit lonely yesterday, <laughs> but hey, not only was I a bit lonely, the market was down yesterday, but it's great to see we have a green on screen. So let's check in. Uh, yes, well, we, we are expecting to see the market there. The chart is broken, but I will tell you what the ASX 200 is doing. Up seven tenths of 1% as we head into the match off and of course a lot of focus on what the Fed is going to do but we also had a lot of uh, data out here today as well in terms of some of those uh, home price suggestions and building approvals falling but what I thought was interesting was the IMF suggested the RBA (laughs) needs to hike again. Exactly and lots of people might be quite cynical about that saying well the IMF doesn't always get it right Mm. but I was just chatting to Diana Messina from AMP and look she totally understands if the, uh, the board doesn't hike, but equally they have now adjusted their forecast, mm. like most of the other banks, for a rate hike next. Well, you don't want to be caught out, Tuesday. do you, when everybody else is basically saying hike. Although I was speaking to uh, James Gerrish from Shore and Partners and he said they're still 50-50. Yeah, there are a lot. The mm. market currently is not really pricing in a full hike. But hey, let's check in and have a look at some of the themes. So we've touched on there, the IMF is urging the RBA to hike. Now, this BHP, well, they have had an update in terms of committing yet another $4 billion odd US dollars into their Saskatchewan potash deal. Uh, I think this is really, really interesting mm. because BHP has made it their focus rather than moving into the lithium market. Mm. And we know that the lithium uh, prices are struggling at the moment. And uh, equally, I was chatting to Rabobank yesterday about the fact that the Middle East is a very large fertilizer producer, Israel, Egypt's involved, also in potash. And with food security over the longer term, although this is a really long term deal, this one, um, I thought it was quite interesting. Mm, well, hat tick to um, Andrew as well. He came up with that clever BHP digs potash. We also thought of BHP knee deep in potash, but we went with that one. And then uh, China as well, of course, we saw that factory activity unexpectedly slow. Uh, So just giving a little bit of concern about the overall recovery because that third quarter GDP print was pretty good. But is this uh, weakness in the factory activity data a bit of a cause for concern when you also got, of course, these concerns about the overall property sector? Yeah, it's interesting because we had that actually, those PMIs yesterday, and clearly the market today has shrugged off that. 
But let's uh, maybe have a look at some of the sectors. Have we got uh, any? There we yeah. go. Um, interesting, because yesterday they were quite lacklustre, but today we have actually seen uh, an improvement in those stocks. But maybe that's off the back of we've had a broker upgrade. Yeah, City upgrading its uh, iron ore outlook to 120 a tonne from 100. So Fortescue, they're up by 2.5% on the close. And we've also got a couple of other sectors. So technology, interesting block doing a lot of the heavy lifting there. I don't think there's any but news there. But it was there. hit quite hard, yeah. I think, one or two days ago, and uh, particularly in the US as well, Square. So uh, I think that might be a bit of a comeback there, up 3.5%. And then just having a quick look at the energy space as well, of course, oil very much in focus as we continue to focus on the conflict in the Middle East, all of the key energy players rising. Ampol there up 2.8%. And quite a bit of uh, news around too. Let's have a look at some of the stocks in focus. Uh, Regal Partners was in focus. It bought a 50% stake in Taurus funds and it's closed up by 9.4%. Really interesting. The market liking that one. And as I was just saying to Jules off camera, it's really interesting to see ongoing consolidation in the fund management industry. But Orica shares are dropping on news that is suing CF Industries in the US about ammonium and nitrate contract. And CF Industries also filed a lawsuit against Orica about the same contract. Amcor shares closing up 1.2%. They did affirm their 24 guidance of 67 cents to 71 cents a share and free cash flow of 850 to 950 million dollars. And Australian Clinical Labs, let's have a look at that one, up by almost 1.7%. And it's rallied and its takeover target Helios gained after the acquisition bid was extended to next year. And the payment company says, oh, look, it's actually closing pretty flat. It was higher earlier in the session, but it did see its total income rise almost 3% to $22 million in September from August. So it was another stock in focus today. Okay, now let's check in with the stock of the day, which was Amcor, which our own very own David Koch was joined by Henry Jennings from Marcus Today and Jared Pohl from ECP Asset Management. Say that if the bull case is that it's trading at a multiple um, that's lower than its historical average, it's probably not the right way to be thinking about investment. Um, right. You know, mean reversion as a strategy is probably not a great one. But um, but yes, it's 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 had a bit of a tough time, but for the right reasons. Yeah. Um, so it's just about for me, where do we go from here? And you know, the the, the benefits here are the cost out story and maybe volumes recovering, and and that's something that's really going to depend on the macro and their execution ability. Yeah. Well, I've got to say, it's not the most exciting of stocks, is it? Let's face it. It is uh, widely considered, I suspect, as a defensive play uh, in the packaging mm. space. And the packaging sector itself has been under some pressure. And of course, we have seen even recently in days with Endeavor talking about how consumers are moving uh, to lower uh, cost brands to some extent, which I guess does translate to lower cost packaging as well because they don't have the fancy packaging perhaps on the lower cost things. I think it's still going to be a bit of a struggle for them. Uh, the whole global packaging sector is trading on its uh, lowest sort of PE for some time. Amcor, no, you know, there's no real excitement here, is there? They, uh, they reaffirmed guidance. They have got some pricing power to some extent. As uh, Jared says, they have got a bit of a cost out story going on. Acquisitions would be good, but they are always fraught with danger. Of course, this made the big U.S. acquisition uh, basically uh, change the, the, the face of the company effectively. Uh, it was a massive acquisition some time ago. 
So um, it'll be interesting to see what they can buy. There's another packaging company we're talking about later, which is uh, interesting as well. But yes, I mean, it's defensive, not a bad yield, but it's not franked. Um, it's hard to see where there's a huge amount of growth coming from this one, given the global economy continues to be under pressure and consumers are pulling back spending. So I guess for me, at best, it's a hold. And our guests there talking about the stock of the day, Amcor. But now let's welcome to the COB, William Symes from Macro Capital. Great to see you as Good always. You. We want to talk about the FOMC, but I'm also curious to get your thoughts on why the dollar has been so weak. The Aussie, I think, down for a third straight month in October, off by about 1.5% or something and, and nearing this one-year low. Yeah, look, the Aussie dollar's had a pretty tough time of it this year, obviously at reasonably elevated levels, around 71 cents earlier in the year, now down, hovering around that 63-odd cent mark. Uh, and look, I think that the recent slubs, slumps obviously largely attributable to US bond yields significantly outstripping Australian yields. Obviously, people are looking to maximise their returns, and so money's flowing there and really supporting that green back amid a higher for longer scenario over in the US. Um, but I think the issue for Australia right now is that throughout 2014 to 2022, the RBA wasn't particularly concerned about a weaker Australian dollar because they had um, significant demand for Australian resources out of China. But with that demand having slumped a lot amid a slowing Chinese economy, it does pose significant risks for the Australian economy. And we're already starting to see that play out in a number of different sectors domestically. Retailers of uh, imported goods like um, computers and clothing are amid the sectors that are likely to be hampered by this lower Australian dollar. And so I think we're likely to see um, a number of those retailers like JB Hi-Fi struggling, mm. um, having to import goods amid uh, households that are trying to cut back their spending. So I think that's one of the sectors that we're going to see hampered by this weaker Australian dollar. Also looking uh, domestically at companies like Qantas that rely quite heavily on imported fuel. Mm. Um, they're obviously trying to re-ingratiate themselves with consumers. They're not particularly in a position to be passing on these elevated um, fuel costs to consumers. So. I think that there's sectors and companies that are going to be both beneficiaries, but also companies that we probably want to be looking to avoid and are at risk of this weaker Australian dollar. Mm, absolutely. Um, but we do have the FOMC meeting two days with it uh, winding up tomorrow. I think Powell speaks around 2 p.m. from memory, mm. US time. Uh, I heard one take today, so he, he'll be hawkish for all the obvious reasons, mm. but what's more important is the Treasury issuance when they discuss what duration they're going to be issuing more at the short or the long end. But maybe you can touch on your thoughts around what uh, Fed Chairman Powell is going to be saying. Sure. Well, uh, it's kind of the rate decision's out 5am tomorrow, so I don't think I'll be watching it. But maybe, oh, maybe say, you might be. I'm almost up. I think the gym. be going to the gym. No, no, not quite. I don't work tomorrow. I think so. I'll be catching the reruns personally. <laughs> um, but look, at the moment, market's pretty sure there won't be a hike. But they're going to maintain the target range of 5.25 to 5.5. Um, it gets a little bit more split when you extrapolate it out to the end of the year. At the moment, bond, bond markets are pricing about a 30% chance of a hike in December. Um, but I think that the US is quite well placed at the moment. Uh, inflation's quite effectively come back to target. It came in at 3.7%, which is pretty much in line. And the monthly read came in at 0.4%, which was below expectations. So I think that um, the FOMC is probably not feeling too pressured to need to raise rates too drastically. Um, I think the other thing that probably adds weight to that argument is that 
I think a lot of economists were anticipating, and me included, that um, the Israel-Hamas conflict would have resulted in oil prices spiking mm. and probably staying more elevated than they have done. And the fact that they haven't, I think, lends weight to the FOMC being able to be quite patient uh, mm. at the moment without that kind of um, pressing oil price um, on inflation further. Um, and so the thing with the FOMC at the moment is they did indicate in September that they did see the likelihood of an additional rate rise before the end of the year. And I think that statement has probably hampered markets a little bit. Uh, the Dow and the Nasdaq are off six odd percent since their, their recent um, statement in September. And so I think a lot of that risk is probably largely priced in to the S&P and uh, the US markets right now. Um, so I think realistically, they're probably going to pause and I think that's going to particularly shock anyone. Mm. Um, but I think it's uh, you can kind of go both ways as to whether we're going to get one more before the end of the year. Yeah. Mm. I was talking earlier to um, David Sadolsky, Sikorsky from Carrara Capital about mm. what you just mentioned there with the Middle East conflict. He was saying, look, this week is so key in terms of oil prices because if we don't see some kind of resolution to a ceasefire, you could then start to get Iran, everyone involved because people are starting to get, in his words, a little fred up. But uh, let's move more to the, to the US earnings season. We've got a big number of companies coming through, Airbnb, DoorDash, Kraft Heinz, all tonight. How have you been reading things so far? Look, I think it's been a pretty positive earnings season so far. Uh, about half of the companies on the S&P have reported. Um, so far, about 62% of them have an upside earnings surprise, and I think 78% an upside earnings per share surprise. That's above both the five and 10 year averages. That said, obviously, analysts tend to undershoot expectations. <laughs> I was about to say, it's always millennial earnings <laughs> season in yeah. the US. Sorry, sorry, well, you're not a millennial, though, are you? Not you're quite, a, you're a Gen Z. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we've spoken about it before. They do tend to undershoot it, but it's looking good on a five and a 10 year basis um, point. Um, and so definitely a lot more positive than what I think the majority of the street was expecting, which is both a positive and a negative, right? It's a bit of a catch-22. US economy resilient, um, that's great, except that you get inflation. So a bit of a catch-22 there. Um, interestingly, the energy sector is actually the leading sector for losses in terms of earnings surprises. Mm. So I do think it's possible, as what you were saying, uh, if we do get a run on oil as to whether we see mm. uh, energy reports tick up in the next um, session. But that's currently the losing sector out of the 11 sectors. Um, so as with earning any earnings results, so I think the, the key thing is guidance. And continuing the thematic that we've seen this year, those companies that haven't provided guidance have been smoked. Um, companies like Revity down 18% on the day. Um, but in terms of what we're looking at from here, at this point, the S&P is trading on a forward PE of about 17.1. That's below both the five and the 10 year. Mm -hmm. So I do think there's reasonably attractive buying levels, potentially even something like an ETF that gives you diversified exposure. Mm -hmm. uh, I think buying at these suppressed levels at some point, uh, things will normalise. It's just a matter of when. So maybe looking at dollar cost average into something like an ETF that gives you diversified exposure to some of the US companies. Mm. Mm. And big apples coming out, obviously, mm. after the close uh, on, in the US. Mm. Um, it hasn't been performing that well. Mm. It's got a few question marks over what's going on you know, with China, China demand, Huawei coming back. Um, do you think it could potentially cause another uh, shock, I suppose, like if Apple doesn't come out with good earnings, mm. the, market, the market might take fright? 
Yeah, absolutely. I think in this market, it's um, a very day-to-day movement yes. based on yeah. any tidbit of data that comes out. So absolutely, if they do surprise to the downside, uh, I think it could stage the uh, capitulate the brief rally we've seen in equities and potentially yeah. we head lower, um, which is why I think it's a... It's a good time to, hopefully you're already reasonably cashed up and you're able to slowly dollar cost average into positions that you do regard as high quality. Um, Domestically, that's certainly what we've been doing. I mean, we're trading at 2019 levels at the moment. And so if you can average into a high quality company like Macquarie that's trading at 160 and- 52 week lows. Yeah, if you can average into high quality companies like that, you've got the cash available. I think it's a, a good time to be a contrarian investor if you can be patient and you can handle more downside because mm. it's pretty much impossible to, to pick the absolute top or the absolute bottom. But if you can average in and be patient, I think it's a, a good time to be looking to build up a quality portfolio. All right. Always good to get your insights. Thank you, William Symes from Cheers. Macro Capital. Let's have a look now at the market leaders because we have closed out the day's session. Uh, Chalice Mining was one of the front runners up by over 9%. We were talking about some of the gains in tech as well. We bit Nano there up four and a half percent, and our fave Danny, our fave narrative Resmed coming back. 4.1%. I know Resmed and ProMedicus. Absolutely, there has been. I think a lot of people buying in Resmed. Paladin, I think we had a broker upgrade again, mm. getting more bullish on that one. So probably lending a little bit of support there. And let's have a look at some of the laggards. Interesting. Uh, I did note a lot uh, in the gold space. Yeah, yeah, a lot in the gold space. What's interesting? Um, there were also three coal stocks earlier today, and we're now new high is the only one. I'm just saying, if we're missing anything there? No, nothing there in terms of news. But as you said, Bellevue Gold off by 5%. Allcom, oh gosh, the poor old lithium miners continuing to get whacked around. Life360 was it up yesterday. It did really well yesterday, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, so that's just coming uh, down a bit and say on a mining off by just over 3%. So, small caps. small caps, let's check in on our favourites, Ho, and see if there's <laughs> anything that we recognise. resources up 16.5%. Iperion X, I'm sure I saw a note about Iperion X. Okay. Oh, yeah, something I'll happened today. A, sorry, Aperva, repeat. Oh, the Defe- Defence Department, that's right. $25 million US Defence Department. Uh, a titanium play. Titanium play, yeah, Woo-hoo. there we go. Um, up Critical. by 13.4%. Producer coming to the rescue in my ear there. Let's have a look at the laggards <laughs> in the small cap paradigm, mm. down 29.5%. Invictus Energy, down 12.8%. And in Impediment. We need Nadine to just come in and do a little small cat rap for us. Yeah, I think sometimes even Nadine gets a bit uh, bit phased by some of these ones. But maybe we can have a look at what is happening overnight. But of course, we have been talking till the cows come home, literally. FOMC, a rate decision. I haven't because I've been away, so I just feel like the cows haven't come home yet. (laughs) I'm quite excited about it. I'll be getting up at five. No, I never get up at five. Uh, US Jolts, job openings and ADP private payrolls, construction spending and factory data and then I mentioned some of those of course we touched on Apple but Airbnb, DoorDash, uh, PayPal that should be Kraft, Qualcomm all coming through. And tomorrow let's check in and see what we have Australian housing finance for September, our trade balance for September and the Bank of England policy meeting so another central bank coming uh, with uh, I think I think it's pretty line ball on that one from memory but I stand to be corrected. Well that's a kind of it for today but let's just check in and see where oh, the, near the highs of the day near the highs of the day SIBO 200 up almost 11 points just over eight tenths of a percent
percent and the ASX 200 up 57 points 6,838 or 0.85 percent which we will take and uh, Aussie dollar a little bit weaker but nothing too much to note so I think that's probably a wrap do you? I do indeed and you know while we were speaking after you were giving Will uh, grief about being a millennial I looked at the millennial <laughs> age range. I wasn't giving him grief. I'm actually on the cusp I, I, I think my sore back and hip are not telling me that I'm on the cusp, but I'm on the cusp of Gen X and oh, Millennial. Well, I'm not even going there. And in terms <laughs> of that conversation, we'll let that one go through to the proverbial keeper. Uh, anyway, everyone, have a great night for the 1st of November. We'll take the positive green on screen. With, yep. Will this be the start of that long-awaited Santa rally or not? All right. We'll see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow bright and early. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.